How can countries manage e-waste to create value? Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we explore how circular, regenerative and fair solutions are better for people, planet and prosperity. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll hear from entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our monthly edition of Circular Insights. Welcome to 2023 and episode 95. Today I'm talking with Simone Anderson, Chief Commercial Officer at WeCenter, a Kenyan social enterprise that's been expanding safe e-waste management and circular solutions across East Africa since 2012. Simone's background is in communication and sustainability action around waste and water management. And before joining the WE Centre, she was at RISE, R-I-S-E, Research Institutes of Sweden, where she led innovative developmental projects on resource efficiency, circular economy systems, traceability, precious materials and various solid and liquid wastes. Her mission is to create awareness about the possibilities and prosperity of green business and clean tech. The WE Centre focuses on people, planet and prosperity, in particular by helping young people improve their social and economic circumstances. It's aiming to expand the collection infrastructure to cover all Kenyan counties and to increase local recycling by bringing in more advanced technologies. It also wants to reach other African countries, starting with neighbouring Uganda and Tanzania. By 2019, the WE Centre had recycled more than 10,000 tonnes of e-waste, serving over 8,000 clients across Africa and creating hundreds of jobs. It became the first and only e-waste management organisation to be ISO certified with multiple awards. WE Centre has the capacity to recycle all types of e-waste and has trained many other African countries on safe e-waste recycling. We'll hear about the operational complexities, some of the collaborations and partnerships they fostered to overcome the challenges of being a relatively small enterprise, and how they're trying to make sure they create value-adding circular flows rather than focusing on recycling. Let's hear from Simone Anderson now, and I'll catch you afterwards to share what I learnt from our conversation. Simone, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you. Hi, Catherine. Nice to be here. Yeah, and thanks for joining us today. Can we start by asking you to give us an overview of the issues around waste electricals and electronics in Kenya? Yes, um, there is an estimate of more than 50,000 tons of e-waste produced in Kenya yearly. Um, Where all of this goes is a mystery. Uh, But we think we know a little bit about it, and that's the problem, I guess. Some of it is in storage still, because they don't know how to release it or where to release it, um, or they don't want to. 
uh, whether it's a company or private households. And then uh, if they do, they might release it to someone who is not really very caring about the worker uh, experience or the community around or the environment. So uh, one uses methods to extract different materials in a hazardous way. So that is the, the problems. Uh, a lot of e-waste, but not a lot of it is handled in a safe manner. Mm. So, yeah. And that would apply to, to both e-waste that's created locally um you know so it's it's now uh, it's been used by a household or a business in kenya and is now at the end of its use phase and also e-waste that's imported from other parts of the world is that right yeah and that is adds to the problem of course uh, kenyans and africans consume a lot of electronics the way it is but then we have these uh, containers being shipped, uh, sometimes uh, under the names of being just, um, well, goods, and uh, someone is bidding, maybe hoping that it's going to be some good quality, uh, either computers or other appliances. Uh, but many times what I've heard from several different sources, because I haven't seen this with my own eyes, but about 50% is usually just trash, so to speak, um, which, of course, just adds to the problem we already have here, especially if that container then is not taken care of in a safe manner and mm. uh, it just goes somewhere. Yeah. So we've got we've got lots of issues from a, um, an environmental point of view, a human health and safety point of view, and, of course, all that lost um, value the from, from the waste. So that brings us on to your work at the We Centre. Could you give us a quick overview of how it got started and what it's aiming to do? For sure, yes. Uh, it actually started long ago, 20 years ago. Uh, Dr. Tom Musili started an NGO, still running today, uh, called Computers for Schools Kenya. And uh, bridging the digital gap by donating computers out to learning institutions, but pretty soon realizing uh, there was a need of a takes back scheme of some sort uh, when they became obsolete and broken. Uh, training in Europe and, and America, and eventually uh, a starting a company we sent a 10 years ago, which uh, Boniface Mbithi is the CEO today. Uh, and of course, starting a, a company, a waste management company in a country where waste management is not very well organized is special. And doing it specializing on electronic waste, which is even less knowledge about uh, around here. Uh, I was, must say it's really extraordinary. I came in contact with uh, this organization um, five years ago, and uh, I've been here now working since two years back. So, uh, yeah. So, you, so as, you, as you say, it was, you know, it's facing lots of challenges and really pioneering in its field. Mm -hmm. um, so what, what are the overall aims of the WE Center now? Uh, to expand, we... Uh, in our mission, we're a social enterprise. So we want to secure a 
green and clean environment. Uh, and with that, of course, we must take on the challenge of reaching all of these 50,000 tons or how much it now is, um, yeah, because it's actually increasing according mm. to all data. Uh, so we want to be that player uh, solving this. Uh, but of course, we, we can't do it alone. So we, we push and we have partners that are pushing, both uh, advocating for uh, legislation to be in place. Uh, we're also pushing for the infrastructure uh, of drop-off points, etc. So uh, we're just aiming really high and forward. Yeah, that sounds good. So as well as kind of um, having operations yourself, partnering with com with organisations that can push for better legislation and the necessary uh, infrastructure seems really really important so can you talk us through the the operations of the we center and the circular aspects of that yes yeah and of course when i say that we want to be a player and take care of everything we also see the potential of actually trying to make as much as possible enter into a circular economy instead of just uh recycling it all uh as the material they are. Um, and we've started uh, in different ways, but our general process is, of course, offering safe disposal, go collect. When we bring it in, we do an inventory where we note down the model, the make, the serial number, the weight, and we make a, a test to see is anything functioning still? <clears throat> what can be reused? Are there any components that we know uh, are being uh, sought for in the market? Or should we just dismantle and um, have the different materials being sold for recycling? We try to find local solutions as much as possible. And there are still components and fractions that are what we call problematic in that sense that we don't have the technologies in Kenya or even Africa. So then we uh, work with partners abroad to solve those issues. Um, yeah. And the circularity aspect is really now coming on strong when we also notice that partners are asking more for, and even clients asking more for us to reuse more not just disassemble and, and, and thrash the things and, and uh, recycle the materials. That is really giving me hope and strength. Uh, They're also asking for um, the climate compensation, the carbon credits, which is a sign they realize that the more we can keep in the loop, the more carbon we will save, which is a good thing. So mm. that is helping us motivate to the circularity of items um, yeah and um, of course when it comes to electronics you have a lot of components that are basically nothing wrong with at all even though the device might have uh, stopped functioning so you might have screws you might have yeah, different components that when you disassemble uh, manually the way we do can be taken care of into 
another uh, way either be sent back to the manufacturer which might be a long way but or package and sell so we have started in a small small pilot doing that together with Revivo Kenya when it comes to spare parts for uh, telephones so that's one of the um the partnerships and collaborations that you mentioned then with uh, Revivo Kenya so how mm. how does that how does that work in practice from their point of view? What 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 are they doing with those components? So they have a web page uh, where they've sold or they still sell, of course, uh, spare parts, new spare parts to technicians around the country. And this is sounds simple and easy, but let's say it is quite groundbreaking for technicians to be able to order and get it straight to the doorstep instead of needing to have a huge um, stockpile of, of different items in your own um, workshop and go looking for spare parts there. So uh, they're then now selling some refurbished parts that we can retrieve from broken phones. If it's broken, maybe the SIM card slot is still intact. Maybe the camera is still intact, etc. Uh, so we are trying and testing, and they are following up very closely with their clients, um, what they think of these items and the grading, because we try to grade them if it's like premium or uh, yeah, ABC graded uh, refurbished. So that is where we are right now, and we need to learn uh, disgrading ourselves of course it's a pilot so we're trying and it will be interesting to see we gave it four months uh, so we will see yeah that's that sounds really <laughs> but it's exciting and i think yeah. this is the future definitely for not just spare parts for phones yeah but for but for everything and mm. and why not there must be all sorts of of um you know perfectly usable parts and components in phones. I was looking at something on the Fairphone website yesterday um, where they'd included a chart showing the carbon savings over mm. the lifetime of the phone. And they were making the point that a typical Fairphone is used for about five years. Um, my, mine's now, um, it's it's gone past its six-year milestone. <laughs> so it's not doing too bad um though it is mm. it is slow um but typically a smartphone's only used for about two and a half years and they were showing the you know the carbon savings of keeping it for longer um so that's that's one thing isn't it being able to keep things in use but obviously there's more carbon savings to come from keeping all those components in in the system so reducing the carbon footprint of of the repair Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's, there's lots of potential. So could you just, um, uh, explain a bit more about the types of equipment that you're handling? We've mentioned, um, phones, I guess laptops are in there. Um, yeah. what, what um, are the kind of things do you handle? So the decision made since we are a social enterprise, uh, is that we actually take care of all kinds of e-waste everything from batteries, bulbs, small uh, cables to larger items and household appliances of all kinds like cookers or kettles, iron boxes, um, 
And then you have the bigger ones like fridges and, and uh, we even do medical equipment also have had special training for that. Wow. And um, also um, the technicians who work with those are also vaccinated. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So a really big range then. And mm. um, just coming back to the partnerships and collaborations, when we were talking ahead of the podcast, you mentioned um, a collaboration with a solar lantern um, provider. Mm. Yeah. So and we are actually collaborating with with several of them. Um, but if I give one example, when Bright Products came to visit us, their R&D manager was also part of there and really interested in knowing if we could give them a heads up if there anything in their lanterns are either hard to disassemble or if we could see any kind of improvements that could be made. Uh, another one is Total Energies, who also do their own solar lanterns, where they have reduced the amount of plastics to reduce the weight, which of course is a different story, but it's really good for the transports and, and the overall uh, material use. Uh, so I'm seeing that that kind of collaboration where we center being now in the end of the linear right now, but wants to be part of the loop. Uh, we need to talk to the designers and they need to talk to us uh, to be able to keep everything. Now I'm doing circles with my hands, but um, yeah. And yeah, I, I really it all, welcome it that. It all starts and, with design, doesn't it? You know, the, yeah. the better we make the design in terms of the circular options at every stage, not just yeah. thinking about designing for recycling, um, because exactly. that's, the, that's the last resort. Yes, we need to do that. But just like the Fairphone, the easier we make it to repair something, the more likely it is that the user will repair it. Of um, course. And now when we see the standardization starting to form a little bit with type C um, outlets uh, mm. in Europe from next year, no, the next year after that, 2015, I can't remember now um, when it's going to be compulsory to only have that. That is great. I mm. mean, and as a consumer, it's going to be less straining to have one cable to the whole family or one type of cable instead of four or five different ones, which you run around with nowadays. Um, so that is good. And, and of course, for the, the circularity, it's going to be uh, outstanding also. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots yeah. of things like that that can be improved, mm -hmm. can't there, with um, regulations and agreements across um, the various industry sectors. What about some of the barriers to progress? What kind of things have you have you come up against that have been really difficult to overcome? Well, um, I would say the awareness creation. I, I need to emphasize on that and the lack of, of budgets in, in many programs, in many uh, also budgets when it comes to authority, but but in in general when it comes to communication, uh, many times you have oh do this do that, but then how do we disseminate? How do we actually spread this to enough to actually create a momentum or an action that will last? Um, so that is one. Uh, the other one is of course. Uh, the reach, the outreach, and 
the infrastructure, if we now create awareness and people start wanting to uh, dispose, then you need to have somewhere to dispose, right? Uh, so we can't just shout out and then not have an infrastructure. So that is really also key. And um, in, in this case, you need to have bins that keep the water out. So if you're having it outdoors, it needs to be. And basically, we don't have bins here. So we need. <laughs> I've been designing, I think I'm on my fourth variation of bin that we are now manufacturing to see how it works and how the client will. And um, the way we do it is uh, thankfully to our wonderful partners that we coast share or they pay for the bin and uh, we come and collect. Um, so we have different deals to try to uh, manage that because we can't afford to put up bins by ourselves everywhere. It's not feasible mm. the way it is right now because we're not getting volumes enough if we had huge. So that's the third um, challenge. You need to get volumes to be able to, you know, uh, and we need to get volumes of, of all kinds of e-waste because some of it will be more valuable where we can have a, a different kind of revenue um, mix and some of the e-waste will be merely a cost from, from A to Z, uh, like the light bulbs and tubes, for instance. Uh, when you refuse to put something on, on dump sites or landfills, uh, you're left with storing it and taking care of it and thinking through how can we possibly uh, send this for safe recycling because it's very costly. Mm. So that's a shout out to anyone who wants to do a CSR project where we can verify where it goes and uh, actually put these things. And also we have a lot of valuable batteries that we know, you know, now when battery uh, manufacturing and recycling is coming along in the world. But we still don't have, even though we have quite a number of them, uh, we still don't have enough because when someone wants to pay for it, they want to get quite large amounts so we're in between. Uh, I would say sometimes we're we're like a startup, even though we started quite some while ago. And at the same time, we're in an industry and a world where uh, it looks different in those countries where you have the producer responsibility, for instance, because then suddenly uh, the landscape changes. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, lots lots of challenges, and particularly with the variety of products and components that, that you're trying to deal with and so how are you how are you kind of funding all the the research and the pilot schemes that you're doing you know to try and forge a new path and and get the critical mass around these things mm -hmm. how how are you doing that uh, most of the times this pilot with Revivo, we are trying to manage ourselves because we just wanted to really try to do that. Uh, and we didn't have any particular project around or, or partner that could pay for it. Um, but otherwise, we are now also starting something with the CRT glass uh, where um, UK Innovate, KTN, had a challenge. Uh, so they are funding um, £25,000 
for one part of the, the, the panel glass, which goes to some consultants from Sweden in this case. And uh, the funnel glass is a consultant in the UK that had a, a very exciting innovation, hopefully to be able to extract the lead with less energy demand. We'll see how that goes. It's just, uh, we kicked off a few weeks ago. But that is exciting. So then it's funded through them, mm -hmm. which is great. Uh, otherwise, we also have other partners where we have a lot of awareness creation and, and campaigns for training. Um, sometimes it's training a specific target group like uh, waste pickers in safe handling. Sometimes it is training um, other stakeholders or targeted on women um, with, yeah, and otherwise, we, we, we have the revenue streams of, of uh, our services, uh, data destruction, and also safe disposal. And then we have the revenue streams of uh, selling some of the reusable items or components, uh, and also then selling the fractions, the material fractions. So we try to balance this, but surely there is still a lot of... Um, projects so to speak um where we've had grants doing uh, all these different mm. but yeah. i guess a lot of this is so new that um you know we need we need grants don't we from all kinds of yeah providers and... like you know like governments like um innovation funding like um even universities and NGOs and so on, everybody yeah. needs to get behind this and and invest in the future. Otherwise, mm. you know, it's it's not going to happen and it's not going to happen fast enough. Yeah. And I know. And I mean, I feel like I mean we're really making a difference and things are happening. Sometimes certain projects might not go the way you wanted them to go though i mean but that is the nature of projects you have a, a plan and this is what we want to do and then things come in the way of different kind or or it just it just didn't happen the way you wanted it to but you've tried and and you conclude and then maybe you can just skew it or you are too early you need to wait a, a year and then you do it again and then suddenly it works um so yeah, we're very, very grateful for what has been one wonderful project uh, during a long time has been uh, NORIC. It's a Norwegian um, funding where uh, we have had a collaboration and an exchange one time with Colombia, uh, our staff going there and, and staff from them, they're coming here. Uh, mutual learning and uh, then we've done the same with Madagascar where Buhitra is now really expanding and, and uh, coming along and we're still having uh, exchange and, and trainings and so it's really wonderful when we can have those knowledge knowledge exchange also as well as practical uh, learnings and, and teaching uh, amongst each other so Mm, yeah. so sounds like it's, it's definitely needed. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like it's more than a full-time job, um, <laughs> you know, trying to balance all the different income streams and go and find potential new sources of funding 
Yeah, um, and that, that brings me to the next thing, and that is internal capacity building, because uh, what I've noticed is, of course, when we are a few different e-waste um, actors here in, in Kenya, and, and of course, we get a lot of uh, traction and people want to do things and want us to do things and want us to take responsibility here and there and everywhere, and at the same time, receive field visits and you know um which is so good but it also takes a lot of time and um, what i feel is we really need to now level up our game when it comes to the operations trying to see where we can lean it out how we can work on the logistics because now when we start having uh, a broader um infrastructure for collection of course we need to find smoother ways so uh, we will look at automation there uh, what kind of sensors what kind of systems can you use will they fit into those bins that we have or not there are a lot of things and and basically doing all of this is is it's not like we have a a research unit to do it mm. so I, you are spot on there so the capacity building internally um, both knowledge wise and you know but also resources in terms of either mentorship or or uh, just people coming to help us with this yeah so as well as as well as trying to develop all the technical expertise around waste electricals and electronics exactly it's also yeah, the about, core business know, how, of... how do we develop better processes that help us um you know learn lessons identify opportunities and and get more efficient so mm. yeah all the all the all the challenges of of a startup um mm. kind of um but probably more more complicated <laughs> so simone looking looking back over the time that uh, you've been involved with the we center in Kenya, what's your number one um, lesson learned that you'd that you'd want to pass on to another business starting something circular? Mm. Uh, it's two things that might seem a bit opposite to each other, but one is just do it. If you feel and you have a hunch that this must be the right way, uh, go for it. And in the meantime, be patient <laughs> with yourself and with others, because they might not have gotten the same epiphany <laughs> that you have yourself. Uh, so you might have to repeat yourself very many times and uh, convince, etc. But just to do it. So what we've, uh, like one and a half year ago, uh, Bonnie and I were discussing and, and feeling, okay, there is too little development and, and innovation when it comes to the electronics and of course, we have partners that are doing, dealing with other types of waste also. And we saw that it is going too slow. Um, so we just decided, let us start something. And then we, we named it the Circular Innovation Hub. So it's been up and running for more than a year now. I think the collaborations with, with um, people working on innovation and research and startups in other countries is a, is a really brilliant thing, isn't it? To get everybody mm. working across borders on this. Yeah. And, and if you could wave a magic wand, uh, Simone, and change just one thing to create a better world, what would that be? An obligatory training of any politician 
that will give the basics in, in natural science and circular uh, ways, how the nutrients work, how the material works, etc. cetera. Uh, and we would see a different world, I'm very sure. Because it's not very complicated, mm, actually. I, I like that. I like that. Thank you. And who would you recommend as a future guest for the Circular Economy podcast? Mm, now I'm going to pick one of our startups, of course. Um, one is doing... Um, Bags and shoes out of pineapple fibers, pine kasi, Olivia Amor. Uh, I think she's amazing since she also didn't start with focusing on environment or, or waste, but she came in through and just found herself doing this now. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's so much pineapple waste and nobody's doing anything with it. So if someone can utilize it, that is brilliant. I yeah, think. absolutely. Um, creating more income streams for agriculture is really key, as well as reducing the waste. But helping farmers become more resilient and profitable is is very important. So finally, Simone, how can people find out more and get in touch with you and with the We Centre? Yes, uh, we're everywhere on all platforms. We Centre and We is W-E-E-E, triple uh, E. Centre. So you can find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and of course we have a webpage, wecenter.com. Uh, myself, I'm also on all platforms, easiest on LinkedIn, I think. But reach out to me, that's totally fine. Boniface and Bithi as well, the CEO. Um, and uh, yeah, welcome to, and you can share my also in the notes maybe. Contents. Yes, I'll put all those links in, in the show notes so people can Great. look you up and find out more. So, Simone, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule to tell us about some of the great work that you and your team are doing at the WE Centre. And good luck with the next phase. Thank you so much. And thank you for having us and me, Catherine. Yeah, it was, it's great. To, I think we've only only just touched the surface of um, all the projects that you're involved in. And it's it's amazing to hear how much is, is being done and what a, uh, a difference it's starting to make to a really big issue for mm. many countries. So thanks mm. very much. Thanks. I was struck by the sheer complexity of dealing with all those different kinds of e-waste and trying to find circular options for everything. Simone listed lots of different categories, from batteries to light bulbs, cookers to kettles, cables, fridges, and even medical equipment. It's almost impossible to imagine how to deal with the variety of product types, components, and materials in all of that, given that many of the specialist recycling technologies and techniques may only be operating in other countries. Then there's research involved in finding which organisations can help out, what new advances are happening and how to tap into those, and in working out how best to reach the critical mass to make each option cost-effective. The WE Centre is a great example of how to get started with managing e-waste, and at the same time finding ways to create local circular value, creating jobs and improving health and safety practices. I was also impressed by the entrepreneurial approaches, 
such as the initiative to provide phone spares to a network supplying local-scale repairers and resellers, and the partnerships with research organisations, universities and others, all helping provide income streams to fund the outreach, the investigations and improvements. So that's a wrap for another episode of the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our guest this week, Simone Anderson of the We Centre. And thanks also to Kim Baker of Elemental and Bonnie and Beathy of the We Centre for making the interview possible. You can find out more about Simone Anderson and the We Centre, follow them on social media and check out all the other links we mentioned in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. I believe we can all help make the circular economy happen through the choices we make at work and in our everyday lives. Buying pre-used, keeping what we have for longer, repairing it and making sure it has another life. Those choices send strong signals to companies and governments, making it clear we all want a better, circular and regenerative future. We can all help spread the word too. Talk about the circular economy and help other people find this podcast by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app. Email a screenshot of your review to podcast at rethinkglobal.info and we'll give you a shout out on the show. We've made it easier for you to find episodes on the key circular economy strategies or for a market sector or specific countries. Check out our interactive podcast index. There's a link on the podcast homepage at circulareconomypodcast.com and every episode includes an interview transcript. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one and two or buy a copy of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business. It takes you through the concepts and practicalities, with hundreds of real examples from all around the world. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you succeed with circular. You can find information on our talks, workshops, coaching and advice, and circular economy resources at rethinkglobal.info or connect with me, Catherine Wheatman, on LinkedIn. <music>